0: You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as the family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. We started a series last week, Greg started a series on the church, which is what we're talking about. We're talking about people. Uh, With all these things that I've been sharing, it's just the life of people coming together that we are, as, as Greg said, that word that Jesus used, called out ones. That we are called out once together to be this entity, this this body, this this organism, this organization called the church. And I, I love the church. Um, but I'm I'm hesitant this morning as as I as I came to speak because I feel like I wanna um share some share kind of the underbelly a little bit of the church. Um, which is a hard thing to do, because you know, if, if you say anything critical of my wife, man, I just Really, I I, I react, and and I think to criticize the bride, the wife of Christ, is is something that we want to do lightly. But it's something that we need to do, that we need to acknowledge. I'm getting ahead of myself. Today's Fourth of July. How many appreciated fireworks out at the mall last night? I think they had fireworks out at the mall. Anybody wearing red, white, and blue? I saw the red, white, and blue earrings there on Amanda. Some red, white, oh, got this I got the shirt. This is the best red, white, and blue I could find. I got a little red in here, I put on my, my red uh, band on my watch. Um, but I, I consider myself deeply patriotic. I, I, I love our country. I think our country is absolutely amazing. Um, I, I love my country, but it, it is possible to be deeply patriotic and also acknowledge the deep sins and flaws of our country. Because we are not a perfect country. <laughs> that's, that's an understatement. We, we have historically, presently, some deep sin and flaws. We, we could all name them. I know uh, I love going to Washington, D.C. I've been there a number of times. And on the Jefferson Memorial which is a beautiful memorial in D.C. You stand there and you read the, the words of Thomas Jefferson. One of the, one of the phrases at the memorial, this is from Thomas Jefferson, God, who gave us life, gave us liberty. Can the liberties of a nation be secure when we have removed the conviction that these liberties are the gift of God? Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever. Commerce between master and slave is despotism. Nothing nothing is more certainly written in the book of fate than these people are to be free. Thomas Jefferson, back in 200 plus years ago, acknowledged that justice would be coming for our country because of slavery. Thomas Jefferson was a genius, but also deeply flawed. Like all of us. (laughs) And, and even reading those words and knowing the history and knowing the man that Thomas Jefferson was and knowing the great things that he accomplished and knowing also the great sin that was in his life, we have to acknowledge that. I have a picture that came up in my, in my memories uh, this week. This is uh, of, of my wife. Not a, the most flattering picture. She probably will hate me for showing this, but she is seven months pregnant with Sydney. Uh, who is now 16, almost 17 years old. But this is a picture that was taken in front of uh, John Adams' home down in Massachusetts. And you you can go away from the pictures (laughs) to look at you. Uh, Julia won't get mad at me too much later. But uh, I've dragged my wife to so many memorials, so many historic sites, because I love history. I love reading. I've been to almost every place I can think of. I haven't, there's a few that I haven't been to. But uh, dragging her through Boston and, and all of these places. And, and John Adams is one of my, one of my favorites of our, of our founding fathers. Uh, one of my favorites because of his relationship with his wife and his relationship with his kids and his relationship with God, his faith, and the way that he spoke out against, against slavery. Uh, but John Adams is not without fault. I know when, if you look up, John Adams is remembered uh, primarily for the Alien and Sedition Acts which, they, which was deeply critical, probably why he didn't get reelected because of the way that he treated foreigners during a time when he was gearing up for possible war. He, he took away a lot of the, the fundamental rights that we hold dear. And people were saying to him, Thomas Jefferson was saying, you're, you're taking away the, our First Amendment rights. You ever heard that before? <laughs> Don't take away my First Amendment. Well, they were saying it 250 years ago. Not 250, 220. They were saying it 223 years ago. John Adams had his flaws. We must acknowledge, we must be, allow ourselves to be self-critical. We must acknowledge that the church, the church has caused great pain in people's lives. You know, it, It's easy to read the Old Testament and point out the great flaws of the nation of Israel. But the last 2,000 years of our, church, of our church's history, is easy to point out the flaws as well. In the news this week, in the news over the last couple of weeks, has been the, the uncovering of these these mass unmarked graves of Indigenous people at uh, the residential schools across Canada, and, and I don't I don't even know where they all are. I don't even know how to wrap my brain around that injustice, that sin. And, and how it was covered up. And how it is connected to the church. You know, maybe not our church, but we are a part of the church. And how, and how to, to read about the injustices in, in that happen in our world and the things that happen in history and the things that happen in our, in our churches, we have to acknowledge it. We have to see it for what it is. A couple weeks ago, we celebrated our 40th year, and it was a great celebration. We had three days of just talking about all the successes and all the awesome things that have happened through our church, and there's been amazing things that our church has done. But our church, over 40 years, hasn't been without conflict. It hasn't been without hurt. It hasn't been without offense. It hasn't been without wounds. People have been deeply hurt. In the church, in New Testament church, and it, it's okay. I believe it's okay to celebrate what God has done, to celebrate the life, to celebrate the healing, to celebrate all that has taken place. But we also have to acknowledge that we are flawed and broken. It's okay to notice, to to, to point out those things. I wrote, as we were worshiping, I wrote down a few things to myself. You know, we we worship. And I, so many, I'd love to go back and listen to all these songs after, after my message and just hear that so much of what I'm about to say was in the things that we were singing this morning and in the things that, that Bernie said and the things that Josh said. We worship our Creator. We worship the God who created us. We don't worship the church, we don't worship our country. I love my country. I got, they like to make fun of me. Uh, Brad and Sherry, about six or seven years ago, went over to their house for a Fourth of July celebration. And I had a, a bandana that's an American flag, and I put it on. I never wear a bandana on my head, but I thought, I'm going to wear an American flag on my head. And they pick on me all the time. I'm going to wear it this afternoon. Because I love my country, but I also recognize that my country is flawed, that my, co- my country has caused deep pain. It isn't about comparison. We, want to, we can compare and feel good about ourselves all we want, but the Bible tells us to be self, to, to, to judge ourselves. How, how it says to pull out the log in your own eye instead of looking at the speck in another. We're supposed to judge ourselves, and I believe as the church, we're supposed to judge ourselves as well. When you get close enough to someone, whether physically or just close enough in a relationship, you see their wrinkles. You see their flaws. You see their scars. You see their insecurities. Maybe that's why we don't always let people close. <laughs> but when you also get close to someone, you also see their humanity. You see their struggles. You, you develop empathy. You see their pain. You have compassion. As I was talking about this, this message this week with Greg, we were talking about how there's always weeds in the garden. <laughs> Anybody else have a garden of any kind? There's always weeds in the garden. (laughs) Every year. (laughs) No matter matter how much we pick out the weeds, there's weeds in the garden. And that doesn't excuse. We don't want to excuse the weeds. We don't want to excuse the pain. We don't want to excuse the flaws. We don't want to excuse the things that have happened. But just... Kind of just wrestle with the idea that in the midst of something that is unbelievably beautiful, the church, that there's also a mess under, the, under under the surface or sometimes above the surface. Relationships bring so much joy and also so much pain, don't they? Relationships, whether it's marriage or it's our children or it's our friends, we find so much satisfaction, so much joy, so much happiness, so much love, but those are the people that hurt us the most, aren't they? It's it's part of the package. God is calling a people to himself to be healed and to heal. To show the world what humanity is supposed to look like. As, as we continue this series, as we talk over the, next, uh, over the summer about what the church is, our, our goal, our, our desire is to show a vision of the church that shows God, that shows the world God, that we can show the world what God is like, that we can show the goodness of God through a collection of, of people. Uh, one of my favorite uh, church names, and this idea, there's a number, a number of churches that are named it, is, is Mosaic, there's a church in L.A. that I follow, a pastor that I listen to regularly. And he talks about the naming of the church mosaic being that we are a collection of broken and fragmented pieces that when God's light shines through, it creates a beautiful picture. How a mosaic is a collection of broken and fragmented pieces of rock or glass or, or tran- translucent um, pieces of glass that when put together and light shines through, There can be a beautiful picture because we are a collection of broken and fragmented people that when we come together as the church and allow God's light to shine through us, it is a beautiful picture. That's that's our desire. Not to say we're perfect and we got it all figured out because we don't. If you've been here any length of time, if you know me for any length of time, you know that that's not true of me. (laughs) You know that's not true of any of us. That we are broken and fragmented people that when God's light shines through us, we want the light of God to be shown to the world. We need each other. We're designed for relationship. I've been reading a book uh, recently by, uh, by a medical doctor, Dr. Bruce Perry. He's a, he's a neuroscientist and a, and a child psychologist, and he wrote this, this down. I, I have it in my notes, that, that your history of relational health, so our relational health, your connectedness to family, community, and culture is more predictive of your mental health than your history of adversity. Let me read that again. Your history of relational health, your connectedness to family, community, and culture is more predictive of your mental health than your history of adversity, connectedness has the power to counterbalance adversity. And he's he's a psychologist. He's a he's a neuroscientist, and he's trying. He's he's showing that. It's, that I only read a couple pages at a time because I'm not a neuroscientist or a psychologist. What, what what he's arguing, and he makes it convincingly through all of his his research and through all the people that he's that he's that he's worked with, is that people who are connected. Are able to go through life It's more predictive if you're connected to a group of people. If you're connected to, if your family is strong, if your if your community is strong, that that has a greater predictor of how you make it through life than the life that is thrown at you. Now, it isn't necessarily that you know, we aren't healthy because we haven't been through stuff, because being going through stuff. Uh, there's actually there's, they talked about you compared his study, and, and I'm not going to do it justice, but he, he was looking at, at, at two different scenarios. Um, you, take, you take a child that is born, and for two months of their life goes through hell. In those first two months, doesn't have a supportive uh, system. And then has, until he's 12 years old, a great support system versus a child who in the first two months has a, has a loving, supportive environment. Two months, you know, that unconscious two months, barely conscious two months, and then goes through adversity until 12 years old. The one that makes out better on the other side is the one who had those first two months of love and care. And how if they just have, if we have that love and care in our life, what that can carry us through is astounding. And as he goes on, also from, from his book, this is Dr. Bruce Perry, he talks about how Consistent, brief, vulnerable moments shared with friends is more therapeutic than extended sessions with a psychologist. What he says is, is if we have consistent, small, and I mean just 20-second, brief interactions with people where we share life and we feel supported is so much more therapeutic than hour-long sessions with a psychologist. How when we interact with each other, and not just, not just hey, the weather's great, it's 4th of July, what are you going to do later? But hey, how, how are you doing? I've been praying for you because of this. I, I remember that you said this last week. Those short interactions are just unpacking your heart, saying, can I just tell you something about, about what, what I'm struggling with? Can I tell you something about what happened to me? Even if it's not a 10, 20 hour long conversation, Just those brief interactions do more for your soul, more for your brain, more for you as a person than going through counseling. And I've been through counseling. My wife and I went through two years of of counseling, and it was one of the greatest things that that I've been through, and it's helped me tremendously. I wish I didn't need it. (laughs) Well, that's another story. (laughs) But what I'm I'm trying trying to get at, though, is that as we walk together, as we have a community where we know each other, where we are known by each other, and that's the goal, is that we have a space that we call the church, that we call here NTC New Testament Church. That As we have a space where we can be known and know, the healing that that can bring in our lives is profound. But we have to go there. You have to get vulnerable. You have to be open to the person being vulnerable with you. It requires being a little self-critical, being a little vulnerable. I want to go to 1 Peter. I don't have time. Remember that the passage from last week, Jesus is talking to Peter The passage that Greg started with and and he says to Peter, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. He changes his name actually in that moment. He changes his name to the word rock in Greek. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. And Peter goes through life and he has some interesting experiences and he's a deeply flawed individual just like us, which I love to be able to read about people in the scriptures it's impossible to flip with one hand. And we see it in the scriptures. Actually, I was thinking about it this week. One thing I love about the, the Bible is that it paints humanity truthfully. Well, apart from Jesus, every human being in, in the scriptures is deeply flawed. <laughs> they all are. It doesn't take very long to, to read amazing epic stories about Gideon or Moses or Abraham or, or David I mean, talk about a guy that messed up, or Peter, or even Paul. The Bible does not shy away from showing our flaws. Well, Peter is a great man. Jesus says, upon you, Peter, I'm going to start, I'm going to build my church. We see that in the book of Acts, in Acts 1 and 2, when Peter preaches, and the church gathers together, and thousands of people come to know him, come to know Jesus, and and Peter helps establish the church in Jerusalem. And decades later, Peter finds himself in Rome. And he's writing this letter to a group of churches in what we now know as Turkey. In the area of Turkey, there's a, there's a group of churches that Peter is sending a letter to. And as, as if you read this, when I first started reading Peter earlier this week, I was like, who's he talking to? And it seems that he's talking to Israelites. But he's really, if you continue to read, he's using language that, is, that we found that's, that's used of the Israelites in the Old Testament. But he's speaking to everybody. He's speaking to all people everywhere. He's speaking to the church. And he's using language from the Old Testament of the family of God. And I I talk about Genesis 12 almost every time that I speak, how the the promise given to Abraham, very very back to the beginning in Genesis, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. How the point of God's work in the earth and selecting and, and, and showing his his love and his life and his light to a person named Abraham who became the family of Abraham, who became the nation of Israel and who is the father of our faith as as the, as the church is to pour out blessing upon people so that through the people, all people, will be blessed. The point isn't that we're great. The point isn't that Israel is great. The point is God wants to show his blessing to bless the whole earth, all the world, because all of the world is God's. Every person is a child of God. I feel like I'm getting on my tangents here. Um, Where humanity, we we tend we divide over over so many ways. There are so many ways that that we divide. Even this week, I was divided with a friend of mine over a soccer team. (laughs) My my soccer team, the Portland Timbers, was playing the Austin team, and uh, I was texting pictures back and forth. He ended up, uh, he didn't beat me four to one. His team beat me four to one. I didn't do anything, (laughs) but but you know we 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 divide over different things we we divide over politics we divide over countries we divide over beliefs we divide over gender we divide over thoughts and doctrines where the bible is constantly including everybody how we are one tribe one nation one people one church that's the desire Let's read First Peter chapter 1. This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to God's chosen people, it's you, who are living as foreigners in the provinces of, well, he's written to a specific group of people, but verse 2, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live with great expectation. We have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all of us to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Life. (laughs) These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Through your faith, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials... It will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Jump down to verse 13. Peter is encouraging the church. Prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in your gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old way of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. I, I wanted to point out this word, holy, going back to the Old Testament. is just this idea of set apart. You know, we think of holy as in holy, but it's just set apart just like the church is called out ones we're supposed to be set apart for a purpose the things in in the in the in the in the temple the things in in the um it's the word? tabernacle in the old testament things are holy because they're set apart for a purpose for some special use so we are supposed to be set apart for some special use Verse 17, To remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in a reverent fear of Him during your time here as temporary residents. Let's jump down to verse 22. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth, so now you must show your sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters love each other deeply with all your heart. For you have been born again but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. I'm going to pause there for a second. There's so many passages in the scriptures about, I call them, or I call them the the one another's. How we're supposed to love one another, support one another, build up one another. There, there's, there's so many passages like that. And then there's other passages, that, as we talked about being aliens and strangers being, um, forget the phrase that it uses here. Temporary residents have this idea that we were created for more. We were created for uh, for a world that worked properly. We were created for a right relationship. We were created for love, and we don't all experience it perfectly all the time. Is that an understatement or what? <laughs> We experience deep pain. We experience division. We experience frustration. We experience deep hurt. So many things have happened to us, by us, but we are created for more. I think when when, he talks, when the Bible talks about us being aliens and strangers, being temporary residents, waiting for a world to be restored, it's waiting for a world to be made right. And the church is supposed to be part of that plan. It is God's desire that we show the world, what we're supposed to look like. That we show the world what love looks like, what camaraderie looks like, what forgiveness looks like, what mercy looks like, what grace looks like. And though we don't get it right every time, that's what we want to continue to strive at, to be. Chapter 2. Peter continues, so get rid of evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all, all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment, now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. When you read and it says you, do you apply that to yourself? You should. Peter is writing to a group of churches for them to read a letter to the church to be circulated around to a number of churches in in Turkey For them to hear this for themselves, and we are meant to apply it to us, for ourselves, as the church. In Messina. Verse 5 again. And you, you are the church, are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. We represent God to others through the med- to the mediation of Jesus Christ you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God as the scripture says i am placing a cornerstone in jerusalem chosen for great honor and anyone who trusts in him jesus will never be disgraced yes you who trust in him recognize the honor god has given him but for those who reject him the stone that the builders rejected and now has be- now become the the cornerstone and he is the stone that the oh, excuse me he is the stone that makes people stumble the rock that makes them fall They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you, verse 9, but you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. We're chosen. We're called out ones. We're holy. We're set apart. You are royal priests, meant to show the world what God is like. Priests just represent God. That's all the word means. We represent God to our neighbors. We represent God to our coworkers. We represent God to our spouse. We represent God to our children. We represent God to our friends. I hope we do. (laughs) A holy, set-apart nation. God's very own possession. And here's what it all comes down to for me today. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We are destined, created, desired, purposed, tasked to show the world, and the world means people, everybody, to show the goodness of God. We get to do that. We get to be a part of that. That's what Bernie talked about earlier. That's what what Josh talked about. That we have good news. That we have healing. That we have all the tools that we need together to show Messina love. To show the North Country the goodness of God. We're chosen. We're holy. We're set apart. We are temporary residents because this isn't the world that we were created for. We're created for a world made right. Yes, we're a dysfunctional family. Mm-hmm. I love the passage. The, the ancient proverb, Proverbs 14:4 4, says, "Without oxen, a stable stays clean. But you need a strong ox for a large harvest. <laughs> Anybody go outside earlier this week and, and smell manure? I, I was like, I live in town." and I can smell manure. My, my, I remember my dad telling me, I, I might, this might be a false memory, but my dad was, was on a submarine, and he, he speaks of coming up in the middle of the ocean and being able to smell manure on, 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 the, on, the, on the submarine because they had been through circulated air for so long that when you come up, you can smell all the things that we get used to smelling. I don't know if that was true or not. He's not, it is, okay. shaking. <laughs> He's shaking his head. Without oxen... A stable stays clean. Translation, without people, the church is clean. <laughs> uh, are, are we we, we, we have, uh, People clean. I, I've helped clean. My wife has helped clean. Heather Northrup and her family have been cleaning the church. A number of people over the years have cleaned the church. This place gets pretty messy from all of you. <laughs> Just like your home gets pretty messy from you. Without oxen, a stable stays clean but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. We are a mess. <laughs> we are people. I, I, I love the phrase people say when, when people are looking for a church, they say, if you find the perfect church, don't join it, because then it won't be perfect anymore. <laughs> now, there is no perfect church, because it's for, every church is full of imperfect people. And what I, what I hope to do this morning is, is not to be a, a downer or not to be pointing out our flaws and overly focusing on them. My hope this morning is to acknowledge the things that, 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 we have, that we have done, the things that have hurt, the things that have caused offense, and deal with those things, but also be the church that, that God designs us to be. I was listening to Henry Cloud this week. Uh, he wrote a book on Boundaries. Check out Henry Cloud. He says, conflict, and this, just talking about the regular conflict that we have, conflict doesn't mean that someone is bad or even that someone is wrong. It just means that two things are bumping into each other, <laughs> except usually I'm the wrong one. Sometimes it's not about being right or wrong. It's about how it feels, entering into that, health, that feeling with the person, with the other person. Don't make anyone the villain, but each be responsible to each other. You know, there are things that we do that are wrong, and those things need to be acknowledged and held accountable, and justice needs to, needs to happen. But sometimes there's conflict. It's just us bumping into each other. If you haven't had conflict in this room, you haven't leaned in. <laughs> If you haven't struggled with somebody in this room or me or Greg or, or any of us, then you haven't gotten to know us. I I love the I love the giggles. Thank you for laughing at that. <laughs> Jackie knows me. I've I've made some some few bad calls in my in my time, and she just sits back, she's like, Yep, he's young. What <laughs> we if you haven't been hurt yet. Brace yourself. (laughs) It's coming. 40 years of experience in our church shows it. But that doesn't make us any less beautiful. That doesn't make us any less amazing. We have to speak frankly about our sins and our failings, we have to repent actively. And we have to to construct a church culture that is rooted in truth, grace, and transparency. Because that will show the world the goodness of God. Matthew 9, we talked about it twice earlier today. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. Come on, Kristen. Every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds... Listen to this, listen to this phrase. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The crowds and the people following Jesus were not sheep without a shepherd. They had plenty of shepherds. They had plenty of leaders. They were all part of the synagogue and part of, part of the, the system of that day, but they didn't have great leaders they had broken and flawed leaders, just like we oftentimes have broken and flawed leaders. You see, Jesus says, or Matthew writes, When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, Are you a disciple? Are you a follower of Jesus? Are you being shaped by him or desiring to be shaped by him? Jesus says to you, his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. Because there are so many wounded, we need a host of wounded healers. We, you, have been commissioned by God. In following Jesus, he said, I want you to tell people about me, to show the life that you've experienced. and Whatever depth of that experience you've had of God, whatever depth of, of healing that you've, that you've encountered, whatever depth of love that you've received, or to show that to others. The path to healing is, is not easy or comfortable. Together, we will focus on forming churches that God can look at and say, now that's good. I love, I love the phrasing in Genesis and the creation narrative where God looks at what he made and he says, that's good. He looks at what he made and says, that's good. And then he looks at humanity and says, that's very good. We want him, I, do, I believe he looks at the church and he says it's good, but we want more goodness. We want to be the church to where not only God, but the world looks at and says, that's goodness. Those people, I don't understand why they love each other so much. I don't understand why they love our, our nation so much, why they love our town so much, why they just love life so much. That's what we're, we're supposed to show the goodness of God, that First Peter passage. But you are not like that. You are a chosen people. You're a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Why don't you stand with me and I'm gonna pray. The line at the bottom of your notes I have is this beautiful mess I'm referring to us where there's a lot of oxen the the stables aren't clean this beautiful mess will show others the goodness of God My, my invitation to you this morning is do you want to be a part of that do you want to be a part of the beautiful mess that is the church do you want to be a part of showing the goodness of God to the world that even us as a, as a collection of broken and fragmented people, we can show the beauty, the glory, the wonderful light of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He chose you to represent him. He chose me <laughs> to represent him. He chose us to represent him. And we don't get it right every time but that's our hope, that's our desire, that's our vision is that through us, through all of our mess through all of our fragmented selves that we can show the goodness of God together and my invitation for you is just to ask yourself do I want to be a part of showing the world the goodness of God to be aligned with his bride, his body the church, to be a part of this collection of individuals that we call New Testament Church for a purpose for a reason not so that we can come and and just sing a couple songs and check off a box and, and go about our week but so that we can see the north country changed we can see people come to healing and hope and wholeness God we thank you God that you showed us your love you showed each of us your light. God, I I pray that as we reflect on ourselves, as we reflect on the church, as we reflect even on our nation, and we see the flaws, we see the brokenness, we see the sin, God, we we repent of it, we seek justice. We move beyond that. We we move forward in, in showing love and making right so that we can be a part of seeing the world made right as you are in the restoration business, you call us to be ambassadors of reconciliation, ambassadors of restoration. That we get to to walk hand in hand as the church, as people experiencing health and wholeness and healing together as as we have relationship and then show the world your goodness. Help us to show it today every day. In Jesus name. Amen. You are beautiful. You're an amazing church and we are on a journey together. We'll be back again next week. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.